Welcome to another exciting week here on Brit David Podcast, as Pastor Tim brings us a message today entitled, Who Do You Say That I Am? From John chapter 5, verses 16 through 47. To read the writings of our founding fathers leaves us with no doubt that many of them were born-again believers who sought to found a nation upon the principles of God's Word, the Bible, and upon the person of God's Son, Jesus Christ. What we believe about who Jesus is really does matter. The question is the same one that Jesus asked his disciples, but who do you say that I am? Here's Pastor Tim. Amen. You can be seated. So-called free thinkers and atheists and agnostics and other irreligious people who call themselves patriots reveal the masquerade that they hide behind by attempting to redefine our histories, by trying to write out Uh, the name and work of Jesus from our American vocabulary by trying to redefine what our beliefs really are. In fact, they have told us for years that our founding fathers were nothing more than deist. You say, well, what what is that? What does that mean? It's talking about a group of people who believe in a creator God but who is not intimately involved or involved at all in his creation and especially his people. They don't believe that Jesus is divine, that he is God. Instead, they believe that he is just a man who gave us a good example if we would choose to follow that. They don't believe that the Bible is the inerrant, infallible, inspired, authoritative, sufficient Word of God. They believe that it contains truth as long as that truth is subject to human reasoning. I I think when I begin to look at our founding fathers, I really think I'd rather them speak for themselves. You know, if you want to follow on your screens, if you can see this, some of them are a little bit small. But George Washington the first president of the United States, the father of our nation, said, you do well to wish to learn the arts and ways of life and above all, the religion of Jesus Christ. These will make you a greater and happier people than you are. And in one of his prayers that he prayed, he was quoted as saying, wash away my sins in the immaculate blood of the Lamb and purge my heart by thy Holy Spirit. Daily frame me more and more in the likeness of thy Son, Jesus Christ. The second president of the United States was Samuel Adams. Samuel Adams uh, was also, or he's not the, he's not, that was, that was John Adams. John Adams is coming up. I want to tell you about Samuel Adams first. I get my Adamses mixed up. I need an Adams apple this morning. Adam, Samuel Adams who's the father of the American Revolution, said, I rely upon the merits of Jesus Christ for a pardon of all my sins. The name of the Lord, says the Scripture, is a strong tower. Thither the righteous flee and are safe. Let us secure His favor 
And he will lead us through the journey of this life and at length receive us to a better. All right, the second president was John Adams. John Adams said, The general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that I then believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. Dr. Benjamin Rush has been called the father of American medicine. He was the Surgeon General during the Continental Army. He said the gospel of Jesus Christ prescribes the wisest rules for just conduct in every situation of life. Happy they who are enabled to obey them in all situations. He said, my only hope of salvation is in the infinite, transcendent love of God manifested to the world by the death of His Son upon the cross. Nothing but His blood will wash away my sins. I rely exclusively upon it. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Those are good statements, aren't they? Listen to this one. Robert Roger Sherman was called the master builder of the Constitution. He said, I believe that there is only one living and true God, existing in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the same in substance, equal in power and glory, that the Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments are a revelation from God and a complete rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy Him. I believe that God did send His own Son to become man, die in the room instead of sinners, and thus to lay a foundation for the offer of pardon and salvation to all mankind, so as all may be saved who are willing to accept the gospel offer. Boy, that's, that's right on money, isn't it? Succinctly, Charles Thompson said this. Charles Thompson was the one who designed the great seal of the United States. He said, I am a Christian. I believe only in the Scripture and in Jesus Christ, my Savior. These don't sound to me like the ramblings of a person who is unsure of who Jesus is. These don't sound like the ramblings of a person who has left our nation up to chance. These sound like specific, known, thoughtful, studied beliefs. These are the foundations of our nation. To say that we have a Christian heritage should be clearly evident. But we have strayed so far. Abraham Lincoln said, We have forgotten God. We have forgotten His gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. We have indeed come a long way, baby, to try to discover what more current administrations, leaders, even presidents 
believe about Jesus, about the Bible, about Christianity, about the gospel. It's like looking for a needle in a haystack. Our fathers didn't mind telling you where they stood. Our leaders today find no level ground to stand on. And yet the policies that they promote speak loudly as to what they believe about the Bible. There was a day when our congressmen would stand before one another and say, I have just read this in the Bible. And they would draft a law accordingly. Can you imagine one of our senators, one of our representatives, standing on the floor of Congress and presenting to them as reason for a new law the Word of God. Not as, not as a weapon that they might use to try to take out of its context and beat up the other side of the aisle. But to genuinely say, I yield myself, I submit myself to the revelation of God and will act accordingly. So who is Jesus? Who, who is He? Is He just a man who taught us important lessons and provided for us a good example? No. He is far more than that. He is the infinite God-man. He is 100% God. 100% man. All at the same time. There has never been a time that He has not been and that He has not existed. There has never been a time that He has not been God. There will forever never be a time that He is not man, bearing in His body the marks of His own atoning sacrifice. Now, when those Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door and they knock, and you say to them that Jesus is God, they're going to deny that fact. In fact, they're going to say, Jesus never claimed to be God. It's just something that we have made up in our churches. As soon as they say that, you take them to John chapter 5. You got your Bible? Turn with me there. John chapter 5. One day I was out cutting the grass. <clears throat> Sweaty. Nasty. You know, just pouring. And I saw them. I saw them about four houses up the road. And I turned off the lawnmower and I went in and I started knocking on the door. And Dina came to the door. What's wrong? What's wrong? I said, get my Bible. The Jehovah's Witnesses are coming. <laughs> John chapter 5 is an amazing chapter. What's happened at the beginning of this is Jesus has broken the Sabbath day laws by healing a man who had an infirmity for 38 years. And then he incited this very man that he healed to break the Sabbath law by picking up his bed and carrying it with him. I want you to see the reaction of the Jewish people, the religious people, 
to this healing of this man that is absolutely miraculous. Look, if you will, in verse number 16. The Bible says, For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. That's the background for everything else that we will read about in the rest of this chapter. Despite what your Jehovah's Witness friends might claim, Jesus did in fact claim to be God. And that's where we begin today. If you're taking notes, I know they're not in your bulletin today, so you just have to write the whole thing out all by yourself. Here it goes. Number one, Jesus proclaimed his equality with God. Jesus proclaimed his equality with God. He did, in fact, claim to be equal with God. In fact, I want you to look at verse number 17. Verse number 17 is Jesus' response to these Jews and what they want to do to him. They persecute him and want to kill him because of his work. Verse number 17 says, But Jesus answered them. (laughs) They didn't ask him, but he's still answering them. Right? He knows. Now look at what he says. My father has been working until now, and I have been working. What's he saying? He's saying that God is at work. He says God is the one. God the Father is the one who healed this man. And yet they're charging him with healing this man. What's he trying to say? He's saying I'm God, right? Say, Tim, you're you're stretching that. That is not what that says. I mean, how can they even be offended at that? Oh boy, just you wait. All right? As Jesus continues with the rest of this passage, he's going to talk about the fact that he is indeed equal with God and he's going to expand that thought. In other words, he's going to give them specifics. This is how you know That Jesus is indeed divine. i got three of them for you. Number one is this. He claimed equality with God in actuality. In actuality. What I mean is, by by His very nature, He is divine. By His very nature, He is equal with God in character, in trait, in essence. In who He really is, He is the second person of the Godhead. Now, I want you to look at verse number 18. We already know that the Jews sought to kill Him because of His work. Right? But after Jesus said what He said in verse number 17, My Father's been working and I've been working. Therefore, points right back to what Jesus just said, right? Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Why? Because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his Father, underline this passage, making himself equal with God. Did Jesus claim to be God? You better believe it. He did it right here. And we might not, it might not speak to us quite like it spoke to those Jews, but it should have that same kind of impact. Not the kind of impact that riles us to anger and to violence, 
but one that calls us to obedience. One that calls us to submission. Jesus is God. Now listen to this. If Jesus isn't God, then you and I cannot be saved by His death on the cross. Why? I mean, why is that? If Jesus isn't God, then He's born just like you and just like me. He's born with a sinful nature handed down to Him by His earthly Father. Right? So when Jesus dies on the cross, even if He lives a perfect life, even if He never acts on His nature which everybody acts on their nature. Even if he doesn't, then when he dies on the cross, he dies for his own sin. He's not qualified to die for yours. But Jesus has no earthly father, does he? He's not given a sinful nature like you and I are. When Jesus dies on the cross after living a perfect life, he dies not for himself because he has no sin. He dies for you. Jesus isn't God, then he can't do that. So Jesus claims equality with God in actuality. But number two, he claimed equality with God in ability. In ability. Just like Jesus knows what you're thinking, he knew exactly what they were thinking. And for the rest of this chapter, he's going to speak to the truth of, the, of his own nature, beginning with this extension of his claim. Not only does he claim equality with God in actuality, he claims equality with God in ability or in power. Look with me in verse number 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Now, if Jesus, I mean, if they think that that it's been marvelous to see Jesus heal that man by the pool of Bethesda, then they're in for a treat. (laughs) They are in for a treat. Because Jesus not only has the ability to heal a person who's alive, He has the ability to heal a person who is dead. Listen, there is one power, one ability that is reserved for God and for God alone. It is the power of life and death. Notice what Jesus says in verse number 21. As the Father raises the dead and gives life to them. Who does that? The Father. God does that. Why does God do that? Because God only can do that. Only God can do that. But He says, even so... The Son gives life to whom He will. He's claiming the same ability that God has, an ability that is reserved for God and for God alone. 
Jesus is able to take a mortally dead man and restore his life. He's going to do that with Lazarus. He's going to do that with the little girl. He's going to end up doing that with himself. Jesus has the power that no one else has. And His power of life is not limited to this life. Lazarus was raised from the dead. And then Lazarus died. The little girl was raised from the dead. And then she died. Jesus rose from the dead. And He is alive forevermore. There's nobody like Jesus. Yes, He can give physical life to a mortally dead man, but He can also grant spiritual life to an eternally dead man. Look, if you will, skip down a couple of verses to verse number 24. Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in Him who sent me has, circle that word, He has, It's not that you get it one day when you go to heaven. He has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. Jesus is able to give physical life. Jesus is able to give spiritual, eternal life. Jesus is God. Pastor Tim thanks you for joining us today here on Britt David Podcast. And he would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.